Hola, hola. What's going on, GNGs? So, um, <clears throat> this has been a really interesting day, I guess to say. Uh, so, this week, I gotta say, um, the crypto space lost a good person. Uh, if you are on crypto Twitter, you would recognize the handle Felty256. He was the gentleman behind Bedgen, which was a, um, a web browsing um, software and he was working on some other gaming stuff too he was heavy on the gaming side of the space uh, he passed this week and I gotta say like I found out via Twitter and that was kind of surprising because of where I was at the time and who I was around and it was like wow y'all don't even know who this dude is and I it, like mentioning it doesn't really mean anything Per se, because y'all don't know who this dude is. Um, he's a good dude. He's a smart dude. Um, he was definitely working to get his thing going, and it's it, so going towards for this particular episode's GNGs. Um, Schedule-wise, this was definitely not on the schedule, but uh, I want to say this is like one of the last interviews he did, and like we talked about like what got him into crypto and. We, we talked about, you know, he started out as a finance major and how he got to the whole company idea and like what he was noticing in gaming. And he's a real smart dude. And if you ever saw his stuff on Twitter, man, like he, he was real quick to say some things, I swear, sometimes. Um, but yeah, GNG. So this is a special um, pushed out episode on the end of In Recognition. Of Felty256, and I'm not gonna do the gov just because, like, he was that kind of dude. He valued privacy, and if he was on Twitter, crypto Twitter side of it, like, you knew him as Felty256. Um, Philly lost a good dude, man. Like, he was definitely working what he could, and he was always cool to talk to when I went to Philly um, about, you know, whatever kind of techie stuff, crypto stuff. And, uh, yeah, so, listen in, GNGs, this is gonna be a two-part thing, so this is part one, and, um, you'll see part two after this on Anchor. Alright, GNGs, um, condolences to the family, and this is in honor of LT256. Hey, hey, what's going on, GNGs? It's your boy, Trek, and this is Trek and Crypto Connect Conversations With. And today I have the opportunity to talk with Felty256. I'm giving you the Twitter handle. And so, um, yeah, I, I want to say uh, apologies for all of what's going on in the background because I'm in a, um, I'm up in New York right now. I had to like scramble to find a place from where I was in Brooklyn that I could record at, and this happened to be the closest thing that I could deal with. So there's gonna be X amount of stuff going on in the background, GG. Apologies for that. But let me get to the main um, thing of this is talking with Kelsey here. Um, I met you through uh, Dan, because he, no, yeah. Dan, because he, I came up to one of the the Bitfield meetups. So that the yeah. Bitfield, if you don't know GNGs, if you're not from the East Coast, if you're not from Philly, is one of the oldest um, 
crypto um, meetup groups in Philly. And um, that's where we met. And I remember you were doing a presentation about browser mining, when that was yeah, like yeah. kind of a in in the headlines. At First, the time, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. Like somebody, I, I can actually talk to somebody who knows about this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was yeah. Um, back in the day. Um, I was still doing like a YouTube replacement where you would use CoinHive to like mine on the site and then award the points that you earned from mining to the the content creators. That never panned out. Unfortunately, people prefer to mine for themselves or they want some other award rather than doing upvotes. So, but yeah, it was a cool idea at the time. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was mostly CoinHive, and I don't know if anyone of you uh, viewers or know have been paying attention to the news. CoinHive is no longer with us. They kind of bowed out the uh, beginning of last month. Um, so they were kind of like the number one uh, crypto web miner company, and they just really. Yeah. I wonder if I. It almost it almost makes me wonder if something was going on in the background, and they saw what the long term cost would be, and it's like, um, you know what, cut it now. Yeah, well, there's the issue. The main issue with CoinHive is they had some, I wouldn't say legal issues. Um, they're a very secretive company, and, and supposedly the owner got doxxed and um, malware or malware antivirus and all those companies don't really like them. And I did a presentation on this, kind of explaining. Basically, CoinHive would just let people use their miners silently, and I think Pirate Bay was the first major one to do that. So. You could use this technology and without anybody knowing and their you know cp would go to 100 when they go to your website and it just people didn't like that and coin eventually said okay we'll just uh, make it so you have to have consent but they never stopped allowing the silent miner servers from running and um they still were blacklisted by everybody from norton to malwarebytes to even they had ad blockers and brave would block their website so um i guess maybe Sometimes I wonder if they're just closing the doors to restart a new company, but I, you know, it, they decided. Um, hey, that's always other. possible. That is yeah. always yeah. possible. Um, yeah. And it, shoot. Excuse me. Um, where was I going to go? Um, with them closing down, does that mean uh, that, is there anybody else who could fill the, the position or like fill that space? Well, that's what I kind of hoped to, was hoping to do with uh, the video. And um, originally, the, the idea that I have a pl- the plugin is through WordPress, and you can basically people watch ads on your site and they can earn points and they can buy stuff on your WooCommerce store, or like coupons or do donations. But it also, because I'm a crypto fanatic, I kind of put in CoinHive in there. But eventually, CoinHive to me I had too many people complaining about antivirus, so I kind of like realized I wanted my own solution and I wanted something I had more control over. And the other thing is I had in the back of my mind, what if CoinHive goes away? I wouldn't have a thing. So I found on GitHub, there's an open source version called WebMiner by not given 68 which is basically using, you know, the open source stuff from Monero. Originally it was just Monero, and now they've kind of gone into algo switching, which because the hard, they, when they did the hard fork in Monero last month, it was e- – so it's more profitable for web miners to mine obscure – altcoins right then to mine Monero itself and then you go through like a um, what they call an algo switching pool like Monero Ocean uh, and basically you mine on the pool those altcoins and the pool owner pays you in Monero because um, maybe you don't you, you don't want the 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 really off the Monero and all the strange coins I, I've heard they're gonna add tube now soon which is the bit tube 
um, which would be interesting, but we'll see about that. So that's, that's where I'm at. And eventually okay. I kind of promoted that in my plugins, like, Hey, this is, I can make sure there's consent built in and then I control the back end and I can, you know, have better control of the experience. Um, and it's still, my stuff was all open source. Uh, and where the point high front end was open source, but you couldn't see what's not going on the back end. Um, so I feel like if somebody didn't like me, they can always copy and make a competitor. But you know, it's, it's kind of like it's, it's. I like this community a little better because they're even though they're a little bit they're all a bunch of anonymous secret nerds, and I'm probably the most open about it. Um, they're generally I like them dealing with them better than CoinHive because you know CoinHive eventually stopped replying to my emails. I used to talk to them. Either they got so busy or annoyed with me complaining about the uh, antivirus problems and being blocked because I I tried to like promote it and you know I, it's hard to promote something when some you have a friend go to the website that tells them they've got a virus on it so I was like eh, I don't want I, I have a hard time promoting that if I can't get a you know if I want to scare everybody when they come to the website so that's kind of why I pushed the open source eventually I kind of removed mentions of the coin hive from the plugin ads and I'd kind of in like a week before they actually announced they were going out of business or shutting their doors I kind of removed the mention of it um, so it was still there on your website if you hadn't um, if you still had the had it installed, it'd still be there, but the new versions didn't have it. And then, like a week later, I must have like somehow known that they were going to go away. And then I just removed it completely. Uh, the older plugins. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah. so okay, um, I think we jumped like way in on the end of like going from Vidian to Point Hive to not giving a little bit of the background. Um, and oh, yeah, where where it comes into why I particularly wanted to have Felty on is because like um, what he was doing when I first met him and like how far he's come along now. Um, and if you're in the crypto Twitterverse, like you've seen something he said, and I said so, some of the stuff he said on crypto, and I was just like, hold on, no, 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 <laughs> like, and then other stuff, I'm like, yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, that sort of yeah, I, like, I, I, I'm. Um, I, I'm kind of, I, I must have a different personality when I get on Twitter, it just like clicks and then, you know, <laughs> like robot. It, I get on there and I, just, you know, I, I, some of those things, I, I usually wouldn't say things I wouldn't say in person, but I just, you know, generally, I, I don't have time for some people's stuff and I was like, you know, I don't really agree with that. I know I have strange reasons, but, you know, I'm going to, you know, I have no problems shouting at a millionaire. <laughs> right. I have people that complain about that. You're, you're. I wanted, the, I wanted this guy as my investor. Don't yell at him. Okay, so <laughs> like, All right. um, give a little bit on the on the what got you into the crypto space, to then what got you to looking at browser mining, um, and then we'll we'll run from there. Okay, you know that's actually a good story. Uh, my last corporate job was probably it was kind of a. I just graduated Drexel, and I still had this. I wouldn't say like a, it was still like a position at Sydney where I just kind of like uh, hung out there after I graduated because that was my co-op internship with Drexel. Um, while I was there, I was at their gym and then I just, you know, I had heard about Bitcoin uh, previously. I, you know, I used to hang out in the 4chan biz forums and I, I since I was a finance major, I was, I knew I did stocks. I invested in the regular, regular world, new bonds and all that. And I kind of always heard like, you know, cryptocurrency and I just thought, well, maybe this is just like pink stocks, pink slips or the, um, but the uh, pink sheets, the um, mm -hmm. penny stocks. Yeah. And it seemed like, you know, I, I knew people like on World of Warcraft and other games, 
would sell virtual currency. And to me, that was just, just like that. It was, I, I didn't look into it and I assumed it was just like an SQL database online that somebody could control the decimal point. Uh, but then I saw like I was at gym at Sigma and I saw like CNBC said, you know, Bitcoin now at $5,000. And then I realized maybe there's something to this. So I kind of started looking online and seeing if there's anything local. And I saw Brandon Rosanna, the guy before um, Dan. Dan, um, yeah. Yeah, and he basically said, whoever shows up to this meeting, I'll give um, $5 a Bitcoin. And he's like, all right, I'll show up. Uh, he said, bring your phone. Uh, that's where I think I met Anastasia. I don't, Dan wasn't there the first time. There's a few other people who are no longer with the same uh, Ken wasn't there at that first time either, but uh, they introduced me to like Bitfinex and they didn't actually give me Bitcoin because they were going to give everyone different currencies and I ended up with Ethereum <laughs> of all things. You know, not, these days I'm not a pro Ethereum, but I do remember it because I transferred it from, it was the Jack's wallet and that's when I transferred to my um, uh, Coinbase before they did it on the KYC. I remember I transferred, it was ended up being like $3 after the Jack's fees uh, and I got it to... Uh, Got it to uh, Coinbase and just left it there for a while. Um, but that's how I got in. And then I, at the time, I because I kind of entrepreneurial bent at Cigna, and also I realized my supervisor pulled me to the side. It's like I don't think our department's going to be here in a year. So at that point, I was kind of like looking for alternative um, systems. I want to start my own business. And I hung out with a lot of YouTube content creators, especially in the gaming scene. A lot of them were complaining about demonetization. That's when I kind of came up with Vidyen. Um, and I was going to make a YouTube alternative, and I heard on, read on Wired about um, the way that um, CoinHive worked, um, and that I knew that was terrible that you're mining without people's permission. But I realized if you could track how much somebody mines, um, you could have a system to where you have an advertising system, like an advertisement replacement. So I think the issue with the demonetization, even with the, the gamers, a lot of times they weren't, you know, they weren't like racist all right. They were just like curse or made a violent video game or something that, you know, or there was, it was something, a video game that, you know, the advertiser wouldn't prove of. Oh, no, Nintendo was notorious about it. Um, they would get demonetized and they wouldn't get any money for that video. So I was thinking if there was an opportunity for people to find while watching videos, um, there, you know, you would be able to, there would be no advertisers anymore. There simply would be the mining of crypto. And you know, usually when YouTube, when people watch YouTube videos, they don't want to pay that. They don't want to pay money to watch right. Patreon and stuff like that. But I've heard that even with Patreon, people are like, it's hard to make a living. Because you know you have a million users, and maybe out of those, maybe like a thousand will give you a dollar uh, per video or something like that. I mean, that's still a lot if you have a lot of million views. If you're, you know, it's not as much as you would if you had advertising. So that was that was the original idea of it, and then it kind of the journey went from there for since 2007, December 2007. Now I guess. Okay, so where are you now um, with what you're trying to do with it? Um, right now, I, I kind of tried a multi-pronged attack because at the time through uh, 2018, I kind of went to what they call reward sites, uh, which is basically, wasn't something I came up with. Basically, the audience of gamers are often like, you know, kids in college or kids in high school. They're whether they call money or money poor and time rich. <laughs> so, yeah. 
So people had made these uh, what they call reward sites, um, like through AdSense or these survey companies. And usually, you watch like a hundred videos, you get a chance to like earn a Steam, uh, you know, a Valve Steam gift card for like five dollars, or you get like a skin. Uh, I think originally it was Roblox, or now it's Fortnite bucks. And there's all sorts of sites that do that. And so what I did was made a plugin that kind of set that up for people automatically, so they didn't know programming. I provided the regular advertising and then the um, mining into that. Now I'm kind of wanting to get more into the mining, um, especially since we've corn hives gone now, and I think there's an opportunity to kind of expand on that. Um, okay. if somebody did it right this time, and I'm kind of working on a project right now to kind of like like there's a centralized server game or decentralized server game similar to Minecraft, and where there's in-game coal, and the idea. So a simple example of, you know, you mine, you earn like copper and silver or whatever for currency in game. It doesn't cost me, the game server owner, to like produce as much as I want. I'm sure there's a limit to start causing inflationary on the game server, inflationary economy crash on this game server. But the idea is to have something value to the end user, but it doesn't cost anything to create. Um, Alternatively, and I, I, of course, I don't know many musicians or artists. Mm. They apply to like digital items. I think the problem with many of these reward sites, and like I literally knew one of my users, he was selling crypto for like mining and ads, and it didn't work out for him because of the, I guess. It wasn't, I guess, the best way. It, it didn't. I didn't like it either. But he wanted to pay because of the transactions fees on Ethereum and all the currencies. And I said, you know, I don't think that's probably the best model for this because when somebody mines, they give like a money thing. Currently, if you have like a, if you're mining at the lowest rate, it's probably gonna take like a day or a few days to earn a penny. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's like a really crappy. Wait, and this is like like one. Oh. Hold on, one question. So this is at CPU level, GPU level, or are we talking A6? Uh, JavaScript is uh, only CPU. Okay. So only, that's, if we want to get in the tech level, the reason why web miners tend to focus on altcoins and min, of Monero and Monero is because those developers are kind of anti-ASIC. You can't really compete with ASICs with like regular the CPUs. It's hard enough to compete with GPUs but there's some of these coins are actually mostly CPU only. Um, but the idea is to focus on the mining that uh, requires CPU or you know that a browser can do. Um, I mean, I've actually had a talk when I was talking to somebody after that uh, at a the blockchain uh, presentation. I gave, he asked me why don't they just tie in browsers into graphics? There is a little bit in there. Issue is that the graphics card is tied into the OS, and you can install a plugin to talk to it. But then, users, you know, usually people aren't they, they don't want to go to a website that's giving you like free stuff that you don't know to download some random. Right, right. So with the web browser mining, you don't need to install anything because it's built into the JavaScript. Um, right. That's the advantage. I mean, if you do want it, there, I have seen games where they do, or not really games, but sites. That install a plugin or a program, you have to execute it, hoping the person's not installing some <laughs> malware. It's just right. Yeah. It, the the security mean, flaw part of it is just ridiculous. Okay. Alrighty, GNGs, you know what time it is. Gotta pay those bills. Talk about the sponsors and stuff. So, first official sponsor for the podcast is Hoddle Brand. If you add the .ca to it, that's the website. Check it out for the 
50-50 fitted. That's the hats right there. And also for the tees coming out with some pretty good-looking, refined um, urban wear kind of gear, man. If you're about that Bitcoin hodling or about that crypto in general hodling, definitely look to check out hodlbrand.ca and definitely get some swag for yourself. And once again, I want to say thank you and big shout-outs um, for Hodlbrand coming on to be the first official sponsor for the Trek and Cryptos to Connect podcast. With that said, in regards to the gaming, where do you think then uh, DAPs as they are will come into play as far as like, <clears throat> is anybody trying to look at, well, how do we bring in the more game, the game, what am I saying? Games that people are actually interested in. Because if you look on, um, what's his name's site? Um, Steam Monsters, maybe? <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Yo, so, okay, Steam Monsters, yo, I swear to God, Ken is like a hardcore Steam Monster, and um, the other day I was watching him play with somebody, and then it was, he literally goes, all right, so how about, let me get that card from you, and he's like, I'll battle you for it, to so the other guy, and the guy's like, uh, I don't know, because I don't know if then you'll actually send it, he's like, you know what, you're right, like, I trust yeah. with you, yeah. but I don't trust that I would actually send it. And I'm just like, dog, yeah. like, what? Like, how does yeah, this... Why is there a system? So in my mind, it's like, wait a minute. Why is it that you guys don't have, like, I'm not saying you. Yeah. And I wanted to say it at the time, but I was in the midst of doing something. I was just listening to them play and talk back and forth. And I'm like, why isn't there something like a smart contract that would allow you to say, all right, we're either playing in singles, one-on-one, -on -one, or we're playing in pairs or triples, and then we put the cards that we're playing in, and then you duel out whichever way you're dueling out, and then, at the, so it would be an escrow for yeah. the cards, and then whoever wins, you know, it carries over. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, NFT and the non-fungible token uh, phenomenon really interests me, uh, but to me, it's not really about making money, but rather transactions uh, between players. Um, I, I, I talked to Matt, um, and he's a great guy, um, and he's done something amazing stuff with Steam Monsters. I just guess we have a philosophical differences on the how the users are going to get their cards. He wants users to pay with real money. That's kind of that. To be fair, that's the standard American model where you you know you get a game item, you pay money. My idea is that that's all, that the idea that you have to have money to get a game item is why people have resentment to a lot of these. Um, in-game stores and the loot crates and like you know you remember the loot crate fiasco that um, one of the ea games had where they were like you couldn't get darth vader by playing you had to play the, the loot crates to play the darth vader figure or you pay like a hundred dollars to play darth vader and was it like ea battlefront or one of them i can't remember i don't play okay. games, so it, i think the issue is that i feel that Get these items i think either there has to be a system every players can do which i would say you know browsing writing or ad, ad watching or playing the game but to me nft should be about like the situation with you had with um ken is that players should be able to either bet or have a secure transaction i'm going to tell you a side story it has nothing to do with anything okay and this is how i made money on the side not related to anything crypto i used to buy and sell um Star Citizenships, and this was terrible because, well, do you know anything about Star Citizen? Mm -mm. Okay, it's the game that has like has the most crowdfunding of all time, and the reason the why they did this is this madman, the guy that made Wing Commander in the 80s and 90s, he would have a crowdfund sale. He would create a concept ship, 
and he would sell that like for like a hundred, two hundred, even like there were ships like a thousand dollars for like a battle cruiser. Like you could walk around in it, like amazing graphics. And um, he would only have it limited time, so you, the ship would only be sold for like one month, and then it's gone. And there's only going to be a thousand of these games. So if you would buy them, and then like a year later resell them. Uh, you could make some money. But the problem was, there was no secure authentication. It all became grain market, and there was no way to secure the transaction. It became a problem where he said, we're not, the game company itself, we're not going to, if you get scammed, we're not going to help you. <laughs> so it was kind of like a, like I would sell a ship for like 750 to a guy in France over eBay, and I, we'd have this long conversation. Like some people like demand to see your ID, and it, like that became a hassle. With the, like I literally had a guy want to buy my ships, but he wanted to get my copy of my license. And I was thinking to myself, you know, a thousand dollars is a lot, but I don't want to. You're like, not doxing me, no. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. no. Like okay. you give myself security, that that'll kill me. So there's there needs to be a system where these items can be traded securely without having to identify yourself and know the other person's going to scam you so that there is a thing the need for that. Okay. So then that brings us to the whole thing of um, something that I just came across and I've been thinking about this for a while, actually um, earlier today. And I figure it'll probably, you know, start flooding the echo, the echo chamber in like another day or two or probably next week. But um, Louis Vuitton is introducing blockchain into their um, authentication process as far as being able to do counter counterfeiting. And honestly, I've been wondering, like, I don't know if you pay attention to the sneakerheads, but I don't get why there isn't that, like Nike and um, Nike and, and Adidas and them haven't like been having this conversation since like 2016 yeah. because the sneaker game like bro I yeah. know people who's been doing it since like high school like seriously I mean I, I don't know much about myself my girlfriend is in the Tokidoki purse scene which apparently can consume you but it's like the animated guy from California which has got these little cute purses but she's like a forum admin and they ask her when they can tell that this purse is a fake because they will make fakes of this like with the zipper she would say like the zipper is not like the original and the original and she'll like have photos she used to have a database that she made and that's something I think you could have like a blockchain the company would make a picture of each the other thing was that each of these purses were unique Mm -hmm. um, because of the print placement but there's no one at the company they basically it's random they just because each of the patterns are slightly offset like you'll see some characters so that each of these purses are unique so somebody would have to take a picture of them or have like a zero and put them in the blockchain and the other thing is they'd have to be really easy to read like you know right. I'm going to pull up the serial number or the whatever blockchain ID and then right. and like, like it's, it's one thing to be like hey here's the idea of and I haven't looked into it I literally just heard it before I walked out the house about um about Louis Vuitton doing that, but I didn't actually look into what their actual um, process was and then how they were going to implement it. So I'm, I imagine once I start picking at it, it'll kind of like, all right, here's where y'all going to mess up in about maybe a year or two or sooner. Because, you know, like the, the, the scammers are creative. They're in, they're in this, the level of ingenuity in order to be able to be like, hey, I'm going to put X amount of mental... Um, creativity and financial resource to make sure I can do blah blah blah. Um, it's, it's, like yeah, 
I mean, how, how secure can you make one of these things? Uh, like you could put a, like a QR code on it for like the public or private key, but it, then a scammer would go in the store and buy one, copy the key, and then like wow. make five purses of the same key and like, you know, sell it in five different cities. Like you got, yeah. And, and that's the same issue that um, um, Udemy had when it came to the courses. Um, I remember when, um, um, what's his name? Um, Jason and Ford started doing his course on the whole trading thing of like 2017 or whatever people were going in buying the course and then going off and then putting it on other mirror sites and then charging people more or like it was, they were either going up on it by a little bit or they were going down on it but they were getting the volume to make up for when they went like when they cut him on the undercut him on the price and i was like that's crazy it's smart like on, on the on the how to get the traffic and get the business it's smart but it's one of those like you underestimate how far people are willing to go in order to game the system. Yeah, it's, yeah. unfortunately, there's not really a good answer for that. Um, I, I guess I would, have, I would have like a bad advice is like make the world open source and just like figure out a different monetization model. But I don't, that's, I, you know, you'd have to get a lot of people together to figure that out. But I, I think the issue is that I, either you kind of have to accept there's going to be some of this, but just has to be user education, I guess. Like like my girlfriend, like she can spot it, but it's kind of a, it's kind of a pain to have to have experts to kind of tell you which of these persons are. Uh, it is. Okay. But I mean, there's got to be some other solution um, to reduce the need for trade secrets and have more. I don't know. It, it's like, but that's more of a philosophical suggestion than actually a real solution. Like if it was me, I'd say well, let's just virtualize everything, and you know, eventually we'll have three D printers anyway, and you know, we'll go okay. but you know, it's like uh, I think that might actually be another topic for another. Well, we can still talk about it, but I think mm-hmm. once we get to like rep, like really advanced three D printing, a lot of the stuff that we consider valuable may not. They're gonna have issues with um, <laughs> that. We're just okay. going to make exact copies, but you know that might be 20 years down the road. But it may not be for certain objects. Um, but it's just generally, I think we're going to have to get to the point where we're going to have to say, "Hey, we're going to have to accept there's going to be some type of loss to copying." And you know, the music industry has put up with it. Um, they've kind of figured out doing streaming, and sadly, musicians now have to do everything live, live like tours and t-shirts. Um, okay, but I'll, I'll throw it on that one. Me and um, ACUBTC. We always get into this whole thing, and he's like heavy into the whole 3D printing and stuff. And um, we've been talking about like the VR and uh, uh, virtual reality and uh, augmented reality. And so one of the things that we recently started getting into was how um, within the 3D printing um, space, what you have going on now is like what I think is GM, is it GM or... It's not Dodge. It's one of the truck manufacturers, the okay. truck manufacturers, where they're using um, um, micro composites and building out engine block parts. Right now, if you understand how you know um, pickup trucks in particular, especially when you start getting to the diesel level works and how durable they have to be, but they're using 3D printers. And then the other day, I came across this other joint that was talking about there's a way to use light to 3D print an image um, 
using I forgot what the name of the this this liquid substance is. But when I think they I saw that, yeah. But they use light in order to make the 3D image inside of it, and, yeah. and it hardens. Um, oh, yeah. It's like the, there's a there's a box of liquid, and the late light goes yeah, in. Yeah, and, and the, yes, I was like, I saw, I saw that. This is crazy. Like, yeah. so we we we've come pretty far. And um, I recently found out once again jumping to the sneaker thing because somebody else I know that's in the sneaker game stuff. So about UA sneakers, which UA sneakers are the unauthorized um, um, reproduction, right? So as we all know, most of the production of stuff happens over in China right now. If you connect to the right person, you can get uh, you can get that new Yeezy that's like, you know, 200, 300 in the store, and it's going to cost you under 100 for a pair. Yeah. Um, um, speaking of China, I actually heard something that there's an issue that some companies in China can make diamonds that are synthetic, cannot be determined. Like it's very hard to tell if they're real or not. Uh, or they, it's hard to, if you have a real and a synthetic diamond from China, you can't really tell the difference. And it's like they consider it's why there's like a diamond glut this year. First low playing it yeah today's the the or as of this now there's more diamond supply than there ever was De Beers claims that they're going to cut their production but there's this rumor that a lot of the diamonds in circulation are actually from Chinese synthetic factories or whatever they figured out how to synthetically create diamonds that are indistinguishable but you know it's, it's kind of like one of those things I, I'm it's an interesting story but I don't know if it's true or not I just saw an article claiming something. okay so Here's how I would look at that, honestly. Um, greed and ingenuity are powerful motivational forces. Like, honestly, um, the person who wants to game the system or get the extra money, and then you have the person who's creative enough to figure out how to do it, and they're like, well, if you're going to pay me for it, okay, cool. Or they might, like, at the end of the day, what, what I find now about how we're looking at um, copyright and copyleft um, and what is um, original and what is organic or um, what is um, real, right? Um, we, I'll take it to the example of food. If you look at how the ingredients of food are labeled on a product um, uh, box now or container, there'll be little things in there that'll say stuff like no genetically engineered ingredients. Yeah. Or, um, or it'll say something like um, organic on the front, but it won't say 100%. Or it'll say um, <laughs> natural ingredients, but like you don't understand what natural actually means. <clears throat> I feel that we're starting to play that game more on the technical side of being able to create um, um, products, yeah. tangible things. So, you know, here it is, like I said, with the sneaker thing, you have the official channel that it goes through that these new Yeezys or whatever else Nike makes, right? And then you have the unofficial one, which it's the same material. Yeah. <laughs> and when you compare the objects together, um, yeah. Unless you like hardcore new, 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 what you was looking at, even the even the biggest sneakerhead would have a hard time telling the difference. And then we get into now diamonds and stuff, where it's like, well, it only to me it only makes sense, right? Because of the when the technology upgrades, everything else eventually has to 
You know what I'm saying? Catch up with it. And I think in bringing it back to like the whole crypto blockchain thing, um, one of the things I try to explain to people when I do presentations, especially to uh, older citizens, right, is that you've been around long enough to remember bartering, seeing gold, knowing what plastic money when it first came in, credit cards, looking at when the mobile money thing started happening. And what you saw on the front end was you saw those things in front of you. But on the back end, what was happening was the technology was upgrading. And every time, and when I look at it now, because I'm reading um, Sadi's book, The Bitcoin Standard and some other stuff, is within a 10 year or so period, when the technology upgrades to a certain um, ease of use or convenience level on the back end, the money medium always upgrades. Yeah. And it's, and it's not to say that technology upgrades every 10 years. It's to say that when it does make the upgrade and it becomes more easily accessible or usable, the medium for money will always end up operating within like what it seems like is 10 years to me. Um, and yeah. Alrighty, there you have it, G&G's. That was um, the conversation with Felty256, or the first half of the conversation with Felty256. And again, apologies for all of the stuff going on in the background. It was kind of a hectic day that day. But like I said, um, the crypto space lost a good dude, man. Like he was smart. He was definitely trying to work on things. And, you know, he had his way of looking at stuff. But he was a cool dude. He was mad down to earth. Um, I'm not saying like, you know, he was my everyday person to talk to. But I, I had respect for him. That's what I'm going to say, G&G's. I had respect for him. And, um, yeah, man, Philly lost a good dude. And here's where we are right now. So, um, not to be um, coarse, but I also have to mention out about things going on. Um, I will be at the Black Blockchain Summit coming up in September. I will be on the panel. Honestly, I can't think of the details of it right now, but you can go to the website, Black Blockchain summit.com and check out the details on that and you know see who's there for that whole situation um also we'll be in philly for the convention event um that's coming up actually that's next month too man it's a lot going on for september and i know i'm starting kind of low beat right now kind of a tiring day and then having to actually deal with this episode for this particular reason you know but yeah, G&G's, um, this is Trekking Cryptos to Connect. This is the first half of the interview with Felty256, and the second will follow right after. So make sure to stay tuned on anchor.fm forward slash trek. T-R-E-K-K is how you spell it, and uh, you'll see part two right after this, G&G's. Until the next one, one.